listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16. The official beer of the Swift Current Broncos is Ryan Schweitzer and Craig Boschman. Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. And our supply here is almost out. <laughs> yeah, we uh, and I would need a nice little uh, delivery service to get some uh, 016s back in the office here. Yeah, let's see if we can arrange some contactless delivery for that. Uh, I'm Ryan Schweitzer. He's Craig Boschman. Uh, we're using the same headsets that we did yesterday, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, because all the social distancing would be for naught <laughs> if that was the case. But uh, in any event, it's Broncos This Week podcast. The show does go on uh, a big day yesterday as the Swift Current Broncos made their first two selections in the WHL US draft. Yeah, I had a great start today when I slipped and fell on ice outside of my house and just <laughs> landed it right on my rear end. It was like a movie trip, like foot the foot down and just like whoop. <laughs> so that was a great start today. But uh, yeah, US draft yesterday, pretty exciting. Um, kind of a, a very different uh, feel, I guess, than the regular Bantam draft. But Broncos are getting a, a defenseman and a goalie, uh, and we'll get some more information on them from uh, Dean Brockman later on. Yeah, we got uh, Dean Brockman on the phone, and uh, we'll chat with him about the two selections that we made, Owen Crudale and Austin Moline. Moline, the first selection, we took him ninth overall. Uh, looking at his numbers, uh, a defenseman who seems to have an acumen for putting the puck in the net. Yeah, 18 goals uh, last year with his Los Angeles uh, Junior Kings Bantam program, led his team in uh, defenseman scoring. Played uh, in Los Angeles for the Junior Kings, but it's from Vegas, so that's kind of a, a cool tidbit there. We're going to talk to him uh, later on as well, I think uh, next week's for, for the podcast. And then uh, Owen Crudale out of San Diego, uh, played uh, in San Diego, obviously, for his team called the Saints. So a couple of West Coast guys uh, who could potentially be Swift Current Broncos in the future. Yeah, breaking it down, the U.S. draft, and uh, I always find numbers like this fascinating. So it's the first of its kind, uh, and it looks like California is the hockey hotbed amongst states that were eligible for the WHL. 19 players out of 44 from California. Uh, Minnesota had 12. North Dakota had 3. Texas had 5. And uh, Austin Moline, the lone Nevada pick to go with a couple of picks from Washington. And Arkansas, or Alaska and Arizona also represented. So from the bright lights of Las Vegas to Swift Current for young Moline. The bright lights of uh, Swift Current as well, I think is fair to say. Those numbers don't actually shock me. I'm, I'm not... Uh I think I'm more surprised that there wasn't more Minnesota kids taken because Minnesota hockey is a hotbed, especially that Minnesota high school hockey is crazy. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little surprised there weren't more Minnesota kids taken, honestly. Yeah, 12 from Minnesota, but 19 from California. So over the next few years, watch for more and more kids to be from California in in your program. I mean, if the WHL wants to expand to California, that'd be a fun road trip. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Have to have to put in for that one for sure. That would be uh, that would be a blast. But uh, in any event, we're going to chat with Dean Brockman. And also coming up on the Broncos this week podcast. Very very excited about this. Uh, it was a chat that we actually had. Geez, going on two weeks ago now. So uh, po- elements of it haven't aged well, but uh, we managed to get on the phone. The dean of WHL broadcasting. Yeah, Bob Ridley, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Medicine Hat Tigers. Uh, really unfortunate scenario with the Broncos. We're going to play Medicine Hat in a home-and-home just before things kind of got all shut down, and, and the two games would have been Bob's 3,999th and 4,000th career broadcast with the Tigers. So really tough for, for him to have that kind of shut down, but uh, it was 
was a great chat with Bob. Um, he's been with the Tigers since they started in 1970. Has only missed one game, and uh, the stories that he's got, we could probably have a nine-hour podcast interview with him with, with everything that he's seen because every team that's come and gone since the 70s he's seen, every player that's come through the league he's seen. So uh, it was great to, to catch him for about 25 minutes or so and, and uh, heard some great stories. Unbelievable. In 50 years of broadcasting, like literally 50 years, because as soon as you started saying 4,000 games, I'm sure people unfamiliar with him are doing the math in their head, dividing that through a 70-game <laughs> season. But uh, but yeah, he's he's literally been the only play-by-play voice for the Medicine Hat Tigers in the team's history. He's only missed one game in those 50 years. The story is rather humorous as to why he missed it. So uh, we'll get we'll get that story and more. But uh, but it was just awesome for for a couple of guys, particularly in our line of work, to to talk with uh, with Mr. Ridley. Yeah, here's some of his uh, his tales of of driving the bus. We can't skimp over the fact that he also drove the team bus for like 40 years as well. So I, I can't imagine driving to the game, you know, doing your interviews, calling the game, and then driving home afterwards. That's just uh, a different concept up to me and and uh, his his love for the ladder here at the Iplex uh, up to the broadcast booth is also quite apparent. Yeah, that's not really a 50-year love affair, but uh, you know, we'll touch on that and more great chat with Bob Ridley coming up too. A few things to talk about in regards to the Bronco organization uh, as per government request. Uh, not so much a request, but we're happy to comply. The stable has been closed till further notice. Yeah, it doesn't mean you can't renew season tickets or anything like that, though. You can uh, give them a call if there's something you want to do, whether it's you know renew season tickets or merchandise, whatever it may be. So while the physical store might be closed, you can still access uh, through the phone. Operators are standing by at uh, 306-773-1509. We're still conducting business over the phone and uh, just surfing social media. It seems like keeping the young ones' uh, minds occupied in these times of quarantine and social isolation can be a bit of a challenge. So something on the Bronco website under the community tab, we have a little coloring contest as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't don't have kids. I haven't spent a lot of time around kids, but I can't imagine what it must be like to, you know, basically be turned into a homeschooling teacher with uh, with kids no longer going to school. So something to keep them entertained for a little while. Uh, there is that little coloring page uh, under the community tab on the Broncos website uh, for Charlie Horse. Uh, kind of give them a new a new outfit, a new look. Uh, submit your your drawings to the Broncos, whether it's on uh, Facebook, Twitter, or whatever it may be, and then we'll we'll throw some up there to, to keep uh, everyone else entertained and see what kind of creative uh, artists we've got out there. Yep, exactly. Visit the Bronco website, click on the community tab. There will be a prize package available for the uh, most creative artistic depiction of Charlie Horse so uh, do visit the Bronco website to see that. Alright, coming up in just a moment we got some hockey chat. Uh, Dean Brockman is going to talk about our two selections from yesterday's WHL US Draft. Talking about the two newest member of, members of the Bronco family in that 05 age group. That chat is straight ahead. You're listening to Broncos This Week presented by Original 16. The official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Broncos This Week podcast presented by Original 16. Joined on the line now by Swift Current Broncos head coach and director of hockey operations, Dean Brockman. Fresh off the first ever U.S. prospects draft in the Western Hockey League. You added two prospects to your uh, cupboard here, Dean. I guess first off, the U.S. prospects draft, that's the first one that's ever happened. So how was that compared to bantam drafts that you've been a part of in years past? Well, I think... Uh you know, just with, uh, I, I guess everything with, with all the circumstances that is going on right now, uh, you know, it's, it, it was totally different. I think it's, uh, something that will, you know, become more clear the more drafts we have. And, you know, the more everybody knows about our league, I think, you know, we're trying to sell the standpoint of, 
of, you know, a league that's kind of unknown in certain areas. So, yeah, it was, uh, you know, challenging, uh, but we're excited to add those two players for sure. Yeah, and we'll talk more about those players in just a sec, Dean. Uh, in terms of the, the why the WHL went ahead with this Bantam draft, you know, as far as you know, is it is it what you just touched on moments ago about bringing the, the WHL brand into places where, where maybe it wasn't known before? Or what were you told as to the, the why we're going forward with something like this? Well, just, uh, you know, to broaden our prospect pool, uh, was one of them, and uh, as well as exposure for our league, you know, down in the areas that we can take players from are the two biggest uh, reasons, I believe. Um, you know, so I think though that's important, you know, uh, you know, as, as much as, you know, Swift Current, uh, you know, hasn't been on the map with, with American players, uh, you know, by all the things that we've talked to and all the people that we've talked to there, they're more well known now. So that exposure just from call to call to call, uh, you know, for everybody in our league, I think was, you know, important uh, exposure. Well, I guess we can get into the players that were drafted. You had the ninth and 36th overall picks uh, in the U.S. prospect draft. First, you go to the Los Angeles Junior Kings uh, Bantam program, take a, a pretty big defenseman, almost six foot two, right handed shooting defenseman by the name of Austin Molina. What's kind of the scouting report on him? Well, Austin, uh, first of all, he's very excited to be picked by the Swift Current Broncos. That was an important priority to us uh, right off the bat. Austin was actually, uh, if you can believe it or not, a forward converted to a defenseman. So uh, his size and structure is what he is. He's an intelligent player that makes good plays, and uh, he's really growing into his frame. Uh, He told me when I called him earlier today uh, that he got drafted. He's now almost 6'3". So... Uh, with the potential to grow even more. So, uh, you know, it's exciting for us uh, with that pick. Uh, I think, you know, he's going to be a guy that, uh, like I said, he wants to to be in Swift Current, and he's going to come to camp in the fall, and he's very excited to work with us to try and become a Bronco. So, uh, you know, that's that's encouraging. And then with our second pick, uh, we kind of went off the board a little bit, you know, and – you know, we thought that uh, picking a goalie here would be important. Owen Crudell, uh, who we saw at the Seattle tournament, and Owen's, uh, you know, he's grown recently. He was uh, 5'9 at one point and now is over 6 feet. Uh, still has to put a lot of meat on. And in talking with their family, they're very excited as well. And, uh, you know, I'll have a million questions for us that we've kind of answered throughout this process. But, uh Again, they're excited to be picked by us as well. Going into this draft, Dean, was it uh, was it a case of taking the best players who were available that uh, that you had a good interview process with, or were you thinking defense and goalie coming into this one all the way? Well, we were thinking best player available, but because of uh, and there's a lot of circumstances that go into it, Ryan. I think uh, first and foremost, uh, the geography lesson of actually having to tell them where Swift Current was. And <laughs> when when they knew a little bit about the program prior to, as you're going through the whole process, you, know, you see people who are, are excited to come by. They know, you know, the success and the track record of the organization. And uh, that, that meant a lot to me personally, just knowing that they know uh, where they're at um, and where they're going to be playing potentially. I thought that was important. And, and also just trying to address needs, you know, like there wasn't a lot of defensemen um, that were available to us that would commit, you know, to even coming to camp. So, 
Yeah, there's a lot of little details uh, and important aspects of it that uh, had to happen and be in place, but uh, we're, we're extremely excited with those two picks. You mentioned that both of these guys are, are excited to you know be a part of the Broncos. So I guess the you know the recruiting and the signing process pretty much the same as the regular kind of bantam draft. Yeah, it is a little bit. Uh, the unfortunate side of things with uh, uh, you know the American players is uh, you know we won't get to watch them you know next year because they're not allowed to even um, you know play with us. So that, that's the downfall of it a little bit. I think. Uh, you know, I guess that's debatable over time, but, um, yeah, you know, we, we wanted to have that commitment from, you know, certain players that, uh, that we wanted them at our fall camp. And I think, uh, again, that's very difficult too, because these programs down there, um, they, they start a lot earlier than what we do normally. So, um, but we, you know, we'll just work with them and, um, they have made that commitment now barring, they're they're not, you know, playing with their teams that they have to play with in the fall. You know, you're, yourself in the the hockey operations department. Uh, I can't imagine you've had too many in depth discussions because you were kind enough to to reach out to us right after the draft, and we certainly thank you for that. But uh, but on, on the whole, you know, how do you, how do you feel about what happened today? Is it uh, is it positive amongst the the hockey ops staff with the two guys you got? No, it's very positive. I think. Uh, you know, it's we were limited with our operations because of uh, you know the proximity of what's going on in the world today. So, um, you know, my, when we made our first pick, it was just a buzz of thumbs up because we're not all in the same room or we're in the same war room. So, yeah, you know, a lot of our you know we're talking about regional guys that don't know a lot about these players. Um, you know, Kerry Gladson, who was out in BC uh, and with us in Seattle. You know, we we talked at length about, you know, what we should do with this particular pick, and you know, we we just felt uh, when they were 100% committed to coming our way, uh, Mr. Moline was was an important aspect to try and get. I guess the the focus now shifts towards the WHO Bantam draft. Of course, it got moved up by two weeks to April 22nd, so kind of uh, gives you a little less time to prepare in a sense. Yeah, no, it does. Uh, and, you know, and again, the geographics of things, uh, you know, give you and, and give us time to phone people that are, you know, certainly not everybody is not working, but it does give us time to do, you know, assessments and, and you know, interviews over the phone with, with a lot of different people. And we'll have to speed that process up as, as this one has kind of ended. But uh, yeah, no, it'll be interesting. It's uh, you know, it's an exciting time of the year and uh, should be a lot of fun trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together again. Yeah, and Austin Moline from a quiet little community called Las Vegas, and I'm sure he's ready to adjust to the bright lights and big city of Swift Current, eh? Uh, yeah, well, there's VLT and there's a <laughs> casino and, uh, and Swift Current. Uh, but really, it wasn't uh, anything about that with them, and that's that, that was the exciting part for us. Uh, you know, we talk about the ultimate hockey experience in Swift Current with the great mm-hmm. fans that we have and the small proximity of, of our schedule and all those things, um, you know, just becoming a hockey player and, and what we have to offer in that view was extremely exciting to them. You know, so uh, that's, uh, that's, that's a great sign. Well, hey, uh, Dean, appreciate you taking a call right after the draft here. I'm sure there's uh, a lot more phone calls to be made on your end. So thanks for this, and we'll be in touch soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. 
You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Broncos This Week podcast presented by Original 16. It's time now for our featured guest, and we are joined by a man who doesn't need much of an introduction. He is the Dean of WHL Broadcasting. Bob Ridley joins us on the phone now. Bob, how are you doing? Uh, doing real good as we move forward this year. It's been a quick season for some teams, and uh, I know for the uh, Broncos has been a tough year, but uh, I'm sure things are looking good for the future. Now, I know you're you're probably not a guy who likes to talk about yourself too much, but you are getting ready for your broadcast here tonight. Uh, we're talking to you on Tuesday. You're hosting the Rebels tonight, and this is career broadcast 3,998. Do you still get the same level of excitement for, for broadcast nowadays as you did back when you first started? I, well, yeah, I think so. And, you know, it's mainly because uh, you can't really... Uh, do this kind of a job without uh, having a certain amount of excitement and enthusiasm. And yeah, I always uh, look forward to games. There's no doubt. Uh, and the moment that uh, I don't, it's time to pack up the microphone and uh, move on and do something else. But uh, no, I still get excited for games. It doesn't matter if you're playing a first place team or a last place team. Hockey is such a, an emotional game. It's an exciting game and you, you really have to get excited about it. Yeah, you know, Bob, as as you get close to game number 4,000 and 50 years of being the voice of the Tigers, uh, I mean, there's a lot of attention on, on social media and everything, the countdown to 4,000. I, I know that you're not a big self-promoting guy, but uh, but how are you liking the ride here as you get close to that unbelievable mark of 4,000 games? Well, you know something, it's hard to believe that I've been doing this for this long. This is uh, 50 years for the Tigers, and, uh, you know, uh, you just kind of move forward, do one game at a time, and enjoy the, the moment and enjoy the game. And and all of a sudden, uh, things catch up. And uh, it's uh, very difficult to realize that, hey, this is closing in at 4,000. And uh, I haven't really had a lot of time to think about it, guys. But uh, for the most part, uh, I've enjoyed just uh, leading up to it, the games leading up to it, and uh, the attention that uh, has been paid to it, even though I haven't been paying much attention myself, but everybody else seems to be. But uh, I guess it is unique. It's something that has not been done uh, all that much. So uh, I've got to start enjoying a little bit more. Now, we could talk about your time with the Tigers for probably weeks on end, but uh, something that I'm not sure everyone knows about is before you started with the Tigers, you actually lived here in Swift Current for a little while. What do you remember about uh, living here in, in Swift Current? Yeah, I actually got my start uh, living, uh, you know, doing the play-by-play in Swift Current uh, at the old uh, uh, Citizens Rink, I think they called it. It was an old uh, wow. uh, barn. It was, uh, you know, a wooden structure and everything else. And, and uh, that's where I did my first game. And I think it was uh, the Swift Current Indians as an intermediate team, and we're playing the Wilkie Outlaws. Now, that goes way, way <laughs> back. And why I remember that, I have no idea. But uh because I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. But uh, <laughs> it, it was uh, the start of a career, and uh, at that particular time, I had no idea that it would uh, filter on and uh, move into the Western Hockey League and, uh, you know, and the rest of history. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I've got a real soft spot in my heart for uh, hockey and uh, surf growth. That's where I got my start, and uh, it was really special at that time, and it still is. Citizens Rink, that that's amazing. I think that's the Anchor Dental Group parking lot right now where Citizens Rink was. But uh, okay. you know, what about uh, Swift Current Memories? How, how long were you here for? Uh, let's see. Now, I think uh, just for a couple of years. And then I, 
I moved on, and uh, it, it was just a couple of years that uh, I was uh, involved in sports in, in Swift Current. I also did the play-by-play for a year or two for the uh, Indians uh, baseball team as well. So uh, that, that's basically where I got my start in, in radio as far as sports broadcasting was concerned. And got a lot of fun memories. Love Swift Current. It's a great place to you know learn the ropes of uh, doing play-by-play. And you get to come back here a lot, uh, mostly for, for Tigers games, of course, but the city, I can only imagine how much it's changed from now to when you were here originally. Well, yes, it has, but you know, Swift Currents uh, kind of maintained uh, uh, kind of a real homey atmosphere. It hasn't grown a ton since I was here, and I uh, still uh, driving, uh, you know, through town and uh, going to the rink and so on, you still see familiar places. So uh, it has expanded, of course. It's expanded north. You've got them all there now, and it's expanded south. But uh, for the most part, Swift Current is still good old Speedy Creek. And um, uh, like I said, it's uh, a lot of fun memories there. You know, when, when people tell the story of Bob Ridley, and it's been told a lot on various platforms over the past few years, uh, it's always brought up how often you, you drove the team bus for the Medicine Hat Tigers on top of your play-by-play duties. How did, how did that bus driving gig start? Uh, they just they needed a driver and you had the right licensing? Or, or what's the story behind that? Well, they needed a driver. First of all, they did things a little bit backwards. Uh, back in the early 70s, uh, most of the, a lot of the other teams had their own bus. So the Tigers thought, well, I guess we should get our own bus too. So they uh, commandeered this old wreck out of, uh, out of Greyhound. <laughs> it already had two and a half million miles on it, not <laughs> kilometers, but miles on it. So they uh, plopped this bus in, uh, in front of the rink and says, well, I guess we better try to find a driver. So they actually found a driver, and uh, he said, well, I'm not going to do all this by myself. So the, uh, the owners uh, asked me if I would, what kind of help out, being an old farm boy and everything else, and having driven trucks. And I said, well, sure, I can help out a little bit. Well, the, the guy that they hired to do the job, he got halfway through a trip to Saskatoon, decided that's enough of that. So... I slid behind the wheel and uh, became the full-time driver after that. So it all happened by accident, guys, and uh, you know. But it just kind of fit with my job, and uh, I continued on for something like uh, 45 years, I guess, uh, being the full-time driver for the Tigers. And uh, like I said, uh, not everybody would want to do it, but uh, like I said, it it worked for me. So uh, it uh, you know it was rather enjoyable at times, but. Hit some of those uh, blizzards and uh, black ice roads and everything else. It wasn't so much fun, but we survived. <laughs> well, and you're you're beginning with with the Tigers. Were you in Medicine Hat and then the team came in and you got the job, or was it applying for the job to do the Tigers play by play? No, I happened to be here at the time. Uh, what happened was that the uh, the uh, team prior to that in 1968 is when they started with the Tigers. Uh, they were the old Joe Lane Blades. It was the senior team. That played in the uh, Western Canada Senior Hockey League, Drumheller Miners, uh, Edmonton, and uh, a lot of other teams, Spokane Flyers, and uh, what was it, uh, Cranbrook Royals, and Kimberly Dynamiters, and, and so on. So uh, it was some real good hockey, great senior hockey, actually, and I did the play-by-play for a year there. Then the uh, old arena gardens rink burnt down. Well, we were on a road trip into Edmonton, and it burnt down, so we were without hockey for a whole year and while well, they're building a new rink. And so they built the new arena here and uh, consequently uh, the uh, Western Hockey League with a new building thought, hey, it'd be 
great to get a franchise of medicine at and uh, that's exactly what happened, and uh, 1970 is when the Tigers opened the doors in the arena. That's absolutely amazing to think that like the Tigers came about through a rink burning down and just the, the opportunity to play in that new facility. So, so you were the first ever play-by-play guy of the Tigers, is, is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's yep. exactly right. Uh, first game was October 15th, I believe, in 1970, right here at the old arena. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, there's a lot of urban legends out there uh, about your career as well. Like, and one of them is that over the 50 years and the near 4,000 games, you've only ever missed one game. And I, I've heard conflicting reports as to why. Can you set the record straight on that? <laughs> Well, it was just one of those things. Uh, I never thought that much of it at the time, but in 1973, uh, the owner, well, not the owner of the radio station, but the general manager of the station, his wife was a member of the Alberta curling team, women's curling team. It was called the Polly Beaton team, and uh, they won the provincial championship. And, of course, the uh, national finals that year called the Lassie, uh, that's way before you guys' this time. But anyway, <laughs> it was held in Saskatoon. And uh, the uh, the general manager of the radio and TV station at the time, or Coldwell, he decided that maybe it would be a good idea to somebody, send somebody up to cover that. So I got the nod, and as a result, uh, I was up covering a national curling event and uh, I missed a Saturday night game here in Medicine Hat. So... Um, I think back on it now, and they said, boy, you know, that kind of makes me mad. But, uh, you know, that's the way it was back then. You did what you had to do. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I still feel very blessed that I've been able to do as many games as I have. Something that uh, I think about often is is that every single player that's ever come through that organization, you would know because you've been there since day one. I mean, who are some of the players who maybe weren't superstar players, but guys that you've got really fond memories of just because of you know the kind of person that they were? Well, guys, like you said, there's been close to 900 graduates out of uh, the uh, team here in Medicine Hat, and to pinpoint uh, just one or two players, very, very difficult. But uh, I got... Uh, Real close with some of them because, uh, especially back in the earlier days, uh, they were kind of my age, you might say. Uh, the Tom Lysiak, actually, and the McDonald's and, and so on. But uh, certainly some of uh, the, the, the real uh, storied players like the Rob DeMaios and so on that came along later, Trevor Lindens and Murray Cravens and so on, they, they were just the dynamite players. And I think of them often and any time that uh, – you know, they happen to come through Medicine Hat, they'll give me a call or whatever. So lots of favorites, and uh, it's very difficult to pinpoint just one or two. But, uh, it, uh, you know, it's, it's special that uh, you've got a family this big that you can think back and uh, remember some of the good times with the uh, Tigers when they won championships and so on. Do you, uh, what sort of memories do you have of the old, well, it's, it's still the same building, just with a few facelifts over the years, but the old Centennial Civic Center in Swift Current, was uh, was it always the ladder up to your broadcast location? And, you know, thinking back to, to you know, those early 70s Swift Current teams, you know, what, what do you remember about uh, about Swifty back in the day? Well, yeah, it was, well, actually, they had the broadcast location at the far end, and there's uh, suites there right now. And uh, they, they had the broadcast location at the far end back in 1970 uh, when we came into the league, which was kind of nice, except that it was uh, a little bit more difficult to uh, do a play-by-play at the end rather than uh, from the side. So 
Uh, no, that uh, awful ladder hasn't been there for the full duration. I don't know whose idea that was, but somebody is going to get hurt one of these days, and it might be me because my legs aren't as good as they used to be. But uh, but one uh, one time the broadcast booth was uh, at the far end. I think it was at the west end, and uh, the, the ladder came later. Why, I'm not sure, but uh, that's the way it is right now. I can remember uh, broadcasting out of the other end, though, and uh, I dropped a cup of coffee on the ice, just about hit the referee, and uh, <laughs> that caused a little fear, and people were uh, guffawing and laughing and pointing at me and everything else. So uh, that was uh, one of the nights I was glad to get out of Speedy Creek. Uh, you know, back in those days, uh, the on-ice, I imagine it was pretty fun. You know, Brian Trotche and Swift Current, uh, Tiger Williams, some of the names that you mentioned who played for the Tigers. Uh, you know, between uh, Swift Current and Medicine Hat games here and in Medicine Hat, those must have been something to remember, eh? Yeah, there were there. You know, it was just a, a tremendous rivalry even back then. Stan Dunn was the head coach, if I remember right, mm-hmm. uh, back then, and uh, we had Jack Shoup here, and of course uh, they knew one another very, very well, and they always seemed to get their teams and really fired up for one another. So even back then in the seventies, uh, it was a pretty stiff competition involving these two teams, and that's where the rivalry actually started. Kind of faded off uh, when. Uh, Swift Current left the uh, Western Hockey League there for a brief period of time, but uh, you know, in recent years, it's uh, they, that rivalry has come back again, and, and uh, we've seen some uh, outstanding playoff series involving these two teams, and hope to see it again sometime here soon. You talked about the championships. Uh, the Tigers have won, I think it's five in their history, and the first one was only a couple of years after they came back in 1973. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for that season. Now it says you beat Saskatoon three games to zero, but with two ties in the league final? Yeah, can you believe that? <laughs> the, the, league has certainly, the league has certainly grown since then. There's no question about it. But yeah, we had two ties, and it only, I remember uh, one series involving Edmonton and Calgary. I think it went went to 11 games, kind of a best of 11. Let's, <laughs> let's make as much money as we can here. They just melt it for everything. But, of course, they could kind of tone things down after a year or two because they're just wearing everybody out. But, uh, yeah, that, that was a great series involving the Tigers and Saskatoon in 1973. Saskatoon Blades actually had already bought their tickets to go to the Memorial Cup in Montreal. <laughs> Tigers, oh, yeah, that was the wrong thing to do. <laughs> Tigers uh, actually took those tickets and they did the flying to Montreal to uh, be a part of the Memorial <laughs> Cup. So, so and ever since, I don't know what it is, but ever since then, the Tigers uh, have, uh, you know, kind of dominated the Saskatoon Blades as far as playoff hockey is concerned. So uh, that particular trick that they did, taking those tickets and flying to Montreal may have uh, kind of put a bit of a curse on Saskatoon. Hockey gods don't like that, but but <laughs> no, looking your don't. tickets to the Memorial Cup ahead of time, it, you know, I, I imagine uh, you know in the mid '80s, back-to-back Memorial Cups for Medicine Hat. I mean, w- what an amazing time that must have been for you and and anyone being in the city, eh? Well, it was because uh, and you know uh, dynasties are very very difficult to maintain nowadays. I mean, uh, there's just so much of a turnover. There's kids graduating and everything else, and. Uh, you just don't have those kind of dynasties. Actually, the Tigers could have gone to the Memorial Cup the year before in 86. They uh, uh, got to the championship final, lost out to the uh, the uh, Camelers Blazers at that time. 
And uh, then they moved on. And uh, the next year, of course, Trevor Linden became an older player. He was a 17 man and kind of led the way for the uh, Tigers in 87 and also in 88. But uh, we had a great team in 86. Uh, they won something like 54 games. That's the most ever by a Tiger team. So uh, they could have been uh, a three-peater as far as uh, going to the Memorial Cup is concerned. So it was a special time for the Tigers. Even the following year, after 88 and 89, they had a very good team too, but not as good as the uh, Swift Current Broncos that went on to the Memorial Cup there. So uh, uh, they, it was quite a quite an era for this uh, Tiger Rocket Club. And, you know, they've never been able to duplicate. And uh, I don't think any team could because that's just not the way it's done anymore. That, uh, that season in 87, when you got the first Memorial Cup, it looks like you beat Portland in Game 7 of that year. I mean, do you remember a lot about that Game 7 against Portland? Uh, yeah, it was a, a rather, it was a great game. Like, believe it or not, we, we fell behind three games to one in that series. Went down to Portland, went a couple of games to tie it up, then came back to Medicine for Game 7. In the, uh, what was it, the second or third game of that series in Medicine Hat, or second game in Medicine Hat, we only had 1,100 people. Can you believe that? People jumped <laughs> wow. off the bandwagon like you wouldn't believe. They were spraining ankles and breaking legs and everything else. And they, they thought we were done. They were done like toast. Well, we came back for Game 7, and the fans were all excited. They were hanging from the rafters. It's unbelievable how quickly you know the, uh, the fans can be, and I'm sure that they're this way everywhere. But, uh, you know, they hated us. Uh, we were run out of town, we're going to lose uh, straight games in Portland, went down there, won a couple of games to tie the series and came back here and won the championship, went to the Memorial Cup in Oshawa. So, uh, you know, I, I say this to fans, you can't give up on your team. You got to support them right from uh, start to finish and uh, just enjoy the hockey, just uh, have a great time with it. Well, amen to that and Swift Current this year. But, uh, you know, the Tigers, they, they had some tough years too. I think it was the, the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, there was, I think, five years of, of non-playoff hockey, you know, and you know, th that must have been, you know, one of the more trying times for you, eh? Because I imagine you care about the kids that you're calling the game for a lot. Well, yeah, not only myself, but I just felt sorry for the ownership and uh, the coaches. They were trying. They were trying to get things done, uh, making some changes. And uh, the league was very, very tough as it is now. It's very competitive. It's tough to, you know, get out there and uh, win a championship, let alone get into the playoffs. So, uh, but yeah, we went through five years without... Uh, uh, getting a playoff sniff, and uh, that's why I can sympathize with uh, teams like uh, Swift Current, Red Deer, and other teams that uh, are not uh, involved in playoff hockey this year. It, it's really tough, and it's uh, like you might think, oh, the kids don't care. Well, they do care. I mean, they're battling tooth and nail for themselves or the team, but also for their city, and it, it was really tough on them, and I, I felt totally sorry for any team that does not make the playoffs because postseason is – uh, what you play for, but uh, we got through it, and uh, ever since then, it's been onwards and upwards for this Tiger team. Well, yeah, and and I mean, right after that, there were some lean years there—the five years of missing the playoffs—and then you guys got back into the show, and and that's when that arena really, really seemed to turn into a madhouse after that for for a few years. Well, it did. Uh, we we sold out of the rink. Uh, I just forget for how many years, but four thousand and four fans uh, showed up to the rink for about. Uh, Oh, 10 straight years, I think it was. And it, it was uh, it was great to see that kind of support. But, uh, you know, as you uh, move forward here, uh, times change. 
and they've changed in Minnesota as well. Uh, people are getting sick and tired of not being able to get to the games and uh, the concession areas that uh, just wasn't uh, uh, any good at all. There was very few bathroom facilities in the old barn, and they, they were forced into having to make a change and build, uh, build a new building, in which they have, and we've got a great facility there now, but it's huge, and uh, consequently, they're not selling out. They don't have the same atmosphere, but... Uh, Hopefully, one day soon, uh, they'll, uh, you know, ride the rails to a championship and get those fans back again. We saw a change in the league with uh, the Kootenai Ice going to Winnipeg for this season and, and looking at the timeline of franchises that have been in the Western Hockey League in years past. I guess you've seen pretty much all of these. I mean, I'm looking at names like the Flin Flon Bombers or the, the Billings Bighorns. I mean, do you have memories of, of games up in Flin Flon at the Whitney Forum or down in Billings, Montana? Oh, yeah. Lots of memories uh, because of the turkey trails that you had to travel to get there. Like uh, <laughs> going to Flint Flood, it was a gravel road and uh, it was called the Hanson Lake Road. And uh, I think it's paved now, but back then it wasn't. It was a washboardy old uh, uh, road and uh, it, it was not nice to travel whatsoever. But uh, uh, they called it the Whitney Forum and... Uh, they, the old saying goes, uh, the referee's name is Whitney and the fans are for him. And uh, that's basically how it was up there, too, because you didn't stand a chance against Patty Janelle and the uh, Flynn Flynn Bombers at that time. Billings the same way. It, it was a nice rink once you got there. And they had a good franchise. They had uh, some very competitive teams, but just try and get there were just awful. Uh, going through northern Montana and so on, blizzards and you name it, it uh, it wasn't a lot of fun, and uh, that's one reason why the league kind of nudged the Billings Big Horns elsewhere. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a couple names that come to mind with Swift Current Connections as uh, as guys that played in Medicine Hat. Uh, Mark Lamb, Dean Chenoweth. It must be pretty cool for you to interview these guys later in their careers as coaches and general managers and, and guys that you remember as players, eh? Special people, there's no question. Uh, Mark Lamb, of course, now in Prince George, and and uh, Dean Chanel, uh, former uh, Bronco head coach, is now coaching in the NHL, and uh, had a chance to talk with uh, Dean Chanel uh, last summer, and uh, it, just as if uh, he, you uh, hadn't been away at all. You know, mm-hmm. like it, 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 there's lots of stories that he, he knows all the people that you know and vice versa. Same with Mark Lamb. And it, it's always good to hook up with these guys uh, down the road, too. And, uh, you know, we're celebrating 50 years here in Medicine Hat. And I talked with a lot of alumni and so on. And you, you get chatting with these guys about uh, their time in Medicine Hat. And uh, even since then, and uh, time kind of stands still. It's, it's really... Uh, like I said, a big family and a lot of great friends. I don't know what your your game day routine is like nowadays when you're on the road, but what were some or what are some of your favorite cities to visit uh, when the Tigers are on the road? Favorite cities to visit? Uh, well, uh, that's a good question because all the rinks are kind of the same. I know I really like uh, the Spokane Arena. It's a it's a great building, a great building to to broadcast out of. Outstanding sight lines and. Everything else, uh, Lethbridge has done a marvelous job in rebuilding that building. It's a, it's a great rink to call games out of, and the fans are really into it now. At one time, it was kind of a dead building, and you just couldn't get the fans generated uh, as far as uh, interest or excitement was concerned. But it's one of the loudest buildings in the league right now. 
I do like uh, Rogers Place, but I don't like broadcasting out of it because <laughs> it's so far away. And uh, you've got to make up a lot of it. That's like old-time hockey, for goodness sakes. But um, it's a beautiful building, and it's just too bad that they couldn't put the uh, broadcast booths a little bit closer. And uh, I think, uh, Craig, you can lend uh, a test to that. <laughs> and uh, some of the other good rinks. Oh, I don't know. I like Red Deer to broadcast at Red Deer. It's a good building. And... Uh, uh, Regina, once you get up uh, through all those stairs and everything else into the press box, it's okay too. So there's a lot of great buildings here in the Western Hockey League. And old school, well, Swiftcard is still A-OK, except for that darn ladder. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I don't mind uh, Prince Albert either. The uh, Arthauser Center is a pretty good drink to broadcast a game out of as well. You know, uh, I, I mean, we've talked about, you know, some of the memories involving championships and, and calling, you know, games with, with guys who went on to become NHL legends. You know, what about some of the the other memories that you'd have of maybe nights where things went a, a little bit sideways or some stories? And I realize there's probably a ton of them after 50 years, but, uh, you know, any, any good kind of memories involving a game day where things maybe didn't go as planned or, or something like that? Well, there's been times when you've had the breakdowns of the bus and not even get to a game, or uh, there's been times, too, we've had bad roads and you were, you've been turned away and couldn't get to a game, and those are uh, those kind of uh, stories you kind of like to forget about because it wasn't fun at that time. But, uh, you know, for the most part, the league is so good that um, even way back then, everything was so well-planned. Uh, referees seemed to always get there on time. Teams always seemed to get there for the most part on time, maybe a little bit late and so on. But, uh, you know, there's been nothing that has, uh, you know, really detracted from what the game's all about. Of course, there's a uh, Swift Current's uh, bus accident that took away a lot uh, from uh, driving and everything else. And, and uh, you know, the teams have become more cognizant of times to leave and uh, giving yourself more more time on the road, but uh, for the most part, the Western Hockey League has uh, been pretty darn good as far as uh, planning games and everything else is concerned, so uh, I take my hats off to them for a job well done. I want to ask about the return of Willie Desjardins to Medicine Hat. Obviously, he was there for eight years, the early 2000s to the late 2000s before uh, you know a seven-year stint in pro hockey, so did you know ahead of time that he was coming back, and uh, was it tough to kind of keep the excitement down when you knew he was coming back? Well, we had uh, a, a good feeling that he could be coming back. And uh, he had gotten in touch with me a couple of days before and kind of gave me a big hint that uh, he was coming back to this Tiger Hockey Club. And, uh, you know, everybody got so excited uh, that he was such a big part of the community when he was here before. And he has uh, renewed that friendship with the community and uh, so many people here in Medicine Hat. So uh, Craig was just fantastic to get him back. And he's done some good things already in uh, less than a year of the time that he has been back here. Uh, you're closing in on your 4,000th game when the Broncos are in town this weekend, uh, 50 years on the job, and I'm sure you've been getting this question a lot lately. Uh, what, what about next year? You touched earlier on the interview that you still very much enjoy doing this. Uh, what's the future holder? Have we thought that far ahead? I haven't thought that far ahead, and uh, for the last 10 years I've been just taking it one year at a time, one step at a time, so... Hey, if uh, the hockey gods say you better get out of one more year, well, then I guess I better do that. But in the meantime, I'm just uh, trying to finish off this year, and uh, hopefully it, it all works out good. 
Bob, this is awesome. I'm sure we could talk about stories for days and days, like I said earlier, but I really appreciate you doing this on a game day. Nonetheless, uh, we'll see you this weekend for back-to-back games, and I'm really glad that uh, the Broncos get to be a part of uh, your big night there on Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be great uh, having you guys here, and uh, and fix that ladder, okay? <laughs> yeah, we'll look into it. <laughs> Got a call. I, I'm looking at it. I'm actually looking at an elevator. So <laughs> if you do fix it, fix it right, okay? <laughs> that sounds good. Thank you, Bob. All right, great. Bye bye. You're listening to Broncos this week, presented by Original Sixteen, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. And that uh, almost wraps up another edition of the Broncos This Week podcast, brought to you by Original 16. Some nice little audio for people to enjoy whilst in isolation. Yeah, I was just uh, trying to get their hockey fix, I guess. I'm sure people are running through YouTube and watching highlights of old games and whatnot, but uh, you know, we're trying to keep things fresh and get out uh, some new and uh, exciting information when we can. So big thanks to uh, Dean Brockman for joining us and, and talking about the two newest prospects within the organization. Yeah, Austin Moline and Owen Crudale. Sounds like Austin Moline was someone who was on the radar. And Owen Crudale, just hearing Dean talk about him, may end up being you know a big steal in this draft as it sounds like he was a little under the radar. Yeah, it certainly said uh, the team kind of went off the board a little bit uh, when they picked him. But uh, Dean was able to watch him at the U.S. Uh, Challenge Cup in Kent, Washington earlier this season. So... Uh, has seen both of these guys play, and it uh, sounds like both of them are, are going to be at uh, training camp as well. So it be nice to get a look at them for the first time and then see how they uh, enjoy coming to town and seeing what Swift Current's all about. Welcome to the Swift Current Bronco family, Austin Moline and Owen Crudale. Can't wait to work with you guys. Uh, also, very awesome to sit down and have, uh, well, almost a 25-minute chat with Bob Ridley, although, uh, as you touched on earlier, we could have gone on for days with that guy. Yeah, just all the stories he's got. I uh, loved hearing about the, you know, the, the teams that were only in the league for a couple of years, you know, the, the Billings Bighorns and that kind of stuff, and the Flynn Flon Bombers when they were part of the Western Hockey League. So some really cool stories from Bob, and uh, that's a guy that we could have on probably every week, and, and every week would still be awesome. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in to another edition of Broncos This Week, brought to you by Original 60. You've been listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16.